I'll just say first, you know, before Patrick and Tip share their testimonies, we're here to do that, to share a word from scripture, and then they're going to actually end with a song in English and Thai. But we first just wanted to say thank you. Um, you know, we've actually never been here before. You've been supporting us for the last couple of years, but with the pandemic, we haven't been able to come. So we are so glad to be able to be here and meet you face to face and just to say thank you for the ways that you have invested in us, not just us, but also Ming and Jen Dao, who are also in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and that are also part of the um, Evangelical Covenant Church and serve globally, who we all serve together with. So it feels just really important that we're here to be able to see you, to be able to give you our thanks, and, um, and for us to be able to share kind of what God has been doing in our lives, the things that he's teaching us, and we hope that it encourages you today. So I'm going to hand it over to Patrick and Tim. Thank you, Christ. Thank you, uh, uh, church. I just feel so blessed here on the first, uh, first service and here now that I just feel like, oh man, it's like uh, I love this church because the worshiping is so good. Yeah, but uh, first of all, I want to share my testimony, but I have two questions that changed my life. The first one is, do you know Jesus Christ? The second one is, you have never have that, you have, you have that relationship with God personal before? You know, these two questions, uh, it's back to 30 years ago. Uh, um, that is my first time when I heard this uh, question. But I grew up in the, you know, Buddhist uh, family, in very strong Buddhist family. I'm very deep and uh, very practiced. And I'm going to church, uh, to go to the uh, temples almost every week. And that is like a, um, make me grow up in the Buddhist, and I'm, I'm thought everything is about Buddhist. I have no idea about Christian until when I'm grew up to, to the to study in college, and I, I'm thinking I'm a, I'm a holy people because <laughs> you know the Buddhist taught me that I try to keep a, a five laws or many laws in my in my life, yeah, and until when I when I, when I step in in college. Uh, and I think so maybe that's something, you know, the young people I try to do something different and go into another way with the Buddhist taught me and this make me feel guilty. And uh, I think that so maybe I, I want to keep myself that holy again and I'm step into to join the Buddhist club in my in my college. My college is kind of first uh, it's like top college in my in Bangkok in Thailand. And when I was junior, I was a Buddhist club president of my college. And I've worked with uh, 30 universities around the country uh, and bring, God, bring the, uh, a lot of students go to the temple, huge temple in Bangkok. And that time, the, uh, I'm thinking, okay, I, I want to do something for, for the next life because Buddha taught me that for a reincarnation, next life, born again and again and again. I want to be born in a better life in the next life. And until the one day is uh, during school break, uh, from in between the junior and senior school break, and I made decision to stop study and to be a Buddhist monk all of my life. You remember that? that? No hair, yellow robe, keep 227 laws, so many laws. But unfortunately, I'm kill mosquito every night because uh, my country is a lot of mosquito and I feel so guilty. <laughs> yeah, and I feel so bad and I just start thinking, oh man, how? Why, why um, I, I cannot keep that laws, and why I struggle a lot about when I was a Buddhist, Buddhist monk, and I, until four months, uh, I, I have so many questions about my life, and I just stopped to be a Buddhist monk and back to study again in my senior. 
And that's the first time that I met one student from UCLA, students that he came over from America to Thailand, and he walked around my, my campus, and he met me, and he asked me first question, do you know Jesus Christ? I say, I don't know, maybe he studied engineering next door, you can find him there. <laughs> and he was shocked, I said, I have no idea, back to 30 years ago, the Thai people didn't know about Jesus Christ, and especially me, because I'm a Buddhist monk, a Buddhist club president. And he said, no, God love, it's about God love, about God love, you people are sinners, Jesus died on the cross for you. But another, uh, another uh, question, that, do you have the uh, relationship with God personal before, have you heard about that? And that's just changed my life, because uh, you know, when I was a Buddhist monk, Everything is myself, and everything is like just follow the, the you know some something that I never touching, I never feel love, I never uh, you know it's just far away. But until when he said that if you open your heart and you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you'll never be written in heaven, and Jesus loved you. And that changed me. I just feel love. When I was in church, and I went, I made a decision to to, to go to church, and the church is warm, welcoming. And I feel that love in, in that church. And that's the, it's the first step. That when, when I went to church two weeks, I made a decision to become a Christian, to pray to receive Christ. And after I became, I became a Christian, uh, it's kind of tough for me because, you know, um, my Buddhist background, my family, my uh, study program is about the religions. Uh, I studied uh, uh, classical music, Thai classical music, and relate about Buddhist and the religions. And they're not allowed that people from another religion to study in that program. That's a problem. And I have to keep secret. I have to keep hiding my university about that for, for a long time. And I went to church every Sunday and wear a uniform to go to, ch to church and present, uh, uh, present my, my, my family. That I, I went to the study, but no, I go to church every Sunday. And that is it helped me to grow up. And you know what? Uh, even when I finished uh, my um, college, I have a scholarship, and, and I've, I'm a very good student in my class, and I've got a scholarship to, to go abroad here in Boston to study uh, in uh, um, Berkeley University, but I say, no, I want to serve the Lord. Even I'm a very new believer. I became a Christian, a very new believer. But someone uh, encouraged me, you can do it. You can serve the Lord in your own country. I said, really? I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer. I don't know how to, to do so many things. But as people said, you can serve the Lord. Even you, you are a new believer. But that is the first step that I made a decision to say no to, to the college. And I served the Lord full time uh, with uh, one organization in Thailand. And I met Tip, yeah, my wife there uh, in uh, that organization. And during that time, uh, yeah, we, we, served, uh, we served the Lord together. And I God calling me to, to plant a church in Bangkok, and I planned a church for many years, and during that time, God sent me to South Africa to do a mission uh, with a youth group. I worked with youth group for almost seven years, bringing a lot of students from South Africa to Botswana and Namibia, and we, we, I learned a lot about mission from that time, and God put my heart about mission. And that, is, uh, that has changed me. I just want to thank you that I went, uh, hope, support the Shim family to go to Thailand. And I learned so much from because when I met uh, the Chin family, we jumped in and we worked together for, for 11 years. And God, uh, uh, you know, like uh, formed me to, to, for our leadership. And now I'm here and I'm back here to bring 
uh, you know, thank you for American uh, and, and bring that blessing here. Even that guy from UCLA, uh, UCLA, that guy, he didn't know that I'm a Christian and I work a full-time job uh, serving God for the Buddhist people and for the people in Asia until now. But thank you so much that you uh, put uh, your uh, pray and support and everything. To, uh, and now you see the fruit. We are the fruit from, from, from you, from Tony Chim family. And one, one, uh, question, uh, one thing that I want to encourage you, you can serve the Lord. Even uh, you, don't, you don't need to be perfect. You can serve the Lord now in your own community. You can start to say, God love you. Do you know Jesus Christ? That question, but don't answer like mine. <laughs> okay. okay, thank you. Hi, I was born in a Buddhist background also, and I was start from my fifth grade. Uh, my my teachers, we, we study world religion, and then my teachers say the poorest religion in the world, the sixth religion, among the sixth religion is Christian, because they don't have image of their God to worship. They just use their imagination. But we are the luckiest. We have thousands of gods to worship, and we were so proud. I was in fifth grade. I've been proud. And I, wherever I go, I see the big tree with the, the rope tie. I just worship the tree. <laughs> when I go to the river, in Thailand, we have um, like a Tong festival. So we would just float the, the uh, flower on the river with a uh, candlelight to say, I'm sorry, river, I've been using you, and then I put the waste in the water. That's a god of the river. When I eat rice, I just say, thank you, god of rice. And then I grew up seeing uh, my god uh, on the newspaper, big statue of Buddha. I, first, I would say Buddha is good, and Buddhist people are very good, and they are very good people, right? And they put all their wholeheartedly to worship what they are worship. So, but... I see the newspaper talk about the whole um, um, community, especially men. They say flood is coming over the temple, so they have to gather all the men, lift up the big statue of Buddha to the high up higher land to escape from the flood, and then they start to worship that Buddha. And then after I become a Christian, I felt like, oh, my God is made by man, and Buddha taught his philosophy, but where is my salvation will come? And then I learned that um, Jesus is the only true God that I have never seen his face. I have never have image of him to worship. But inside of me, people told me, if you pray to receive Christ, your name will be written in heaven. So I go right to heaven. Buddha never said that. He taught me very good thing, do good, but I strive my best. So my best, I try. The more I try, the more I get tired. I, I was a big liar. I stole. I was arrested by the policeman. I was spanked many times by my mom because I, I lie. And then after I become a Christian, I start to lie. Of one thing that my first experience, I experienced God that... I broke something in the kitchen and then I, naturally I would say, I didn't do it. I don't want to get spanked, but I, it was so heavy inside of me. And then I felt like some voice so gentle and say, lying is no good. Uh, 
Where's that voice? And then, and then I heard that voice, and the voice said, no good. And then I said, Mom, I did it. And I felt like, suddenly I felt really light. It's not heavy. And then many areas of my life have been changed. And then I start to read the Bible say, um, therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new person. The old has gone and the new has come. One year later, my dad became a Christian. Why? You say, don't change religion. Why, dad? In Thai culture, we cannot talk with dad like this, but I'm daddy girl. We have, I have a special <laughs> corner. He said, I saw your life change. And he saw me get struggling. He, one day he called me to sit down with him. Thai culture would never do that. Dad would sit with children and sit down and talk like this. Choose one. My dad is a man of few words. Choose what? He saw me get struggling of being Buddhist and become Christian, and only Christian, living in the Buddhist family. I don't worship, I, I don't do what they do. I, my, my dad say, choose one. You wanna be Christian, choose being Christian and do it best. If you wanna be Buddhist, do its best. That's, and then I say, dad, I'll be a Christian. And he say, yes, only you. The five kids, only you. Don't, don't bring your sibling to become Christian. <laughs> Because I'm the middle shy, I cause trouble all the time. And then after I become a Christian, that's why he become a Christian. He's all, my daughter, change. Yeah, that, that's a picture of change. So later on, I learned when God changed my life, and I've been knowing I'm not beautiful. Buddhist teachings say that feature like me is not beautiful. Thai men will not marry me. But one missionary taught me from GMA in the church, you have to pray. Your relationship with God, you can pray and talk to him what kind of man you want to marry in the future. I, what, I was 18 at the time, and I list, have 20 lists of the men I want to marry. And then one Buddhist guy converted to be Christian five months in the church, I would check, check, check. <laughs> God is real, and I don't, <laughs> he is exists. And, and I was excited because I was a new believer too, right? Five years still new because I come from Buddhist background. The more I learned that God hears, he never lowered any standard of my list. And he came and then I told him, I don't have many friends and mostly I'm close with guys. So I told him, you know what? You're gonna be my God's will in the future. What? <laughs> what is that? It's mean you're gonna be my husband in the future. And he, he got jaw dropped like, Entire culture, woman will not do that, but I have only friends to share to. If I share to other than believer Christian, they will say, you are crazy. And, but it takes time. I wait 14 years, he proposed, yeah. Uh, yes, I'm not, I'm not his standard, but God answer prayer. Um, um, well, see, if God can change me, I see this, God can change my society. Everyone say, I'm a good person, but they have brokenness. They cannot show their, their brokenness. Um, they, they have failure, they cannot share. Because in Buddhist uh, community, you cannot express or share. You should show your being perfect all the time. And then when I learned to be a Christian, I could get married because, Oh, I have freedom, I can laugh like me. <laughs> I laugh really loud, open, crack up, laugh. And then one of the quality, he married me because of the laughing too. So, <laughs> so, so to be sure, um, I'm thankful that now God is using me from nowhere, nobody, no important, and then 
the book of Genesis say everything God made is beautiful and perfect. The confidence comes from me. If we don't have confidence in our salvation in God, don't think about happiness, whether you're Christian or not. Just like the engine is, is loose, you have to tighten it so it can work well. Instead of being Christian, that sounds cranky, right? So stick close to God. Thank you, Patrick and Tub. You guys can understand why it's been a joy for Bob and I to work together with them. Um, they've taught us so much about what it means to follow Jesus in a way that's so different from our experience. And um, just by way of some orientation, um, you know, we've been serving together in Asia, um, overseeing our missionaries and our national partners there in nine different countries. And they stepped into this role when Bob left for the State Department and uh, joined there and serving as a tent maker there and uh, has been serving with me on Zoom for the last two years because of the pandemic. And I will be stepping into a new position, um, heading over Serve Globally, which is our global mission arm, and Patrick and Tip will step more fully into the Asia Regional Coordinator role. And it's the first time the Covenant has ever had national leaders leading our Western missionaries in Asia. And so pray for them. It's a huge step of faith for them, um, and uh, it takes a lot of courage. And, and again, they have taught Bob and me so much about what it means to, to follow Jesus. So I am here to bring just a, a word, a short word to you this morning. I'm just recognizing as we come here to the U.S. that, uh, you know, the world is a, a difficult place right now. We're emerging from the pandemic um, Wherever we travel around the world, we see the same thing, that the, there is a lot of brokenness in our world today. You know, not only today with Juneteenth as a, a reminder of the brokenness and the history of our past and our presence about violence against body, soul, and spirit of our black brothers and sisters, but also just even in our short time here, we've already heard and witnessed the shootings that have happened here in the United States, of the war that's happening in Ukraine, but it's not just in the Ukraine. That's what's on the headlines. But the wars and civil wars that are happening in Tigray and Ethiopia and South Sudan, of refugees that are all over the world migrating and, and escaping to different places of displaced people. There are mental health needs that are skyrocketing right now, especially among our teens and our children. All around the world, we are seeing just the brokenness of what is going on around us. And not just around the world, but if you look inside our own lives, I think we have all been face to face with our own inner demons, right? The pandemic revealed who we really are when we are in closed spaces. It's really challenged our relationships, it's challenged us, and it's really caused us to really question at times, God, are you here? Are you at work in the world? And I think part of our desire today is to help you see and realize that God is still on the throne. He is still working in every corner of the earth, whether or not we always see it or not. And so this broken world, we are longing, longing, longing for what? For shalom, right? 
the shalom of God's kingdom, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Shalom, which is restoring and reconciling the world as it was supposed to be, as it's intended to be. Isn't there something in us that just says, Lord, I long for it to be back to the way it's supposed to be. Shalom, which is peace, and another word which is called wholeness. That's what our world is longing for. And so I want to share with you three phases, three phrases today um, of, a, of a phrase that is emblazoned on the wall at Palmer Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the phrase is this, that it is the whole gospel to the whole world through whole persons. The whole gospel to the whole world through whole persons. And Isaiah 61 speaks of this. That the good news, the good news, what does it really mean when we talk about, first, the whole gospel? Bob and I left Chicago in 2003 with our three little ones. We were in our mid-30s. Bob left a medical practice, and we moved to a small town called Nadin in Kyrgyzstan up in the mountains. And we went, you know, really bright-eyed, eager, you know, we were going to be missionaries for Jesus. Bob had a call in his life to be a missionary since he was eight years old. And then when we married, he basically said, hey, if you're going to marry me, I just want you to know this is where we're headed. (laughs) We're headed outside of this country. So I had to really consider it. Do I really want to serve the Lord full-time in a mission capacity, but I really liked Bob. And so, you know, I don't know what the motivation was, but, but we left in 2003 with our kids there. And we went with this heart, like, oh, you know what? We're going to go save the Kyrgyz for Jesus. We're going to take the gospel into the world. And we got there, and we quickly discovered that this written, spoken words of the gospel lost its meaning on people when they were under-resourced and poor and didn't have employment and had sickness um, and brokenness in their families. And we were quickly humbled to see that the gospel that we thought we were taking in was actually a half-gospel. That the spoken words, while very important for us to speak, have to also be balanced and more expanded, which Isaiah 61 is talking about here. It says that we are anointed, right? I love Sarah's poem. We are anointed and called. The Holy Spirit is on us. What? To proclaim the good news. But that good news in Isaiah 61 is described as what? Binding up the brokenhearted. Proclaiming freedom for the captives, releasing prisoners from darkness, comforting those who mourn, taking, bringing beauty out of ashes. That's a really different picture of the gospel that we envisioned as we were going into Kyrgyzstan. And yet I found myself day after day sitting with women at our kitchen table in our small little house, and I poured tea every single day. And I remember thinking, this is not mission work pouring tea with these women. Six years later, as my language improved and I got to understand their lives and, and hear what was going on, I had opportunities and to really share the word of the gospel. But it started with just sitting over many, many cups of tea with these women. This is the gospel that we bring into the world 
of binding up the brokenhearted and bringing comfort to those who mourn. That is the whole gospel. It's a gospel of healing and restoring, of freedom and of comfort. And you, in your context, you have that opportunity to do the same with your coworkers, with your fellow students, with colleagues, with your family. That sometimes it's not just speaking it, it's just saying, hey, can I listen? Can I be with you? Can I not be afraid to talk to you about the hard things that are going on in your life? When we step out into courageous places like that with people that are around us, that is a way that the good news is being proclaimed into the lives of others. When we stand for, for truth and for justice in this world, that is the gospel going into the world. It's a whole gospel. And we need to expand our understanding of what that means. If we are truly going to be the people that God has called us into this world. And let me tell you, we as followers of Jesus, the way that we are are proclaiming that good news right now, I'm not always feeling so proud of around us. So may we be a people that are taking this comfort this healing into the places where we are. The second part of that is the whole world, to the whole world. Acts 1.8 is a famous passage, right, that we use for global mission, that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, you know, when we left Chicago, it, it, it my whole understanding of what that meant was we're going into all of the world, to the ends of the earth. We're going to Asia. That's like literally the opposite side of the world. And it's almost like in the West, we view ourselves as the sun. Like we're the center and we're going to take it out to the ends of the earth. But these last two decades of living in Asia, I realized that our Asian brothers and sisters, when they read this verse, their Jerusalem is in Asia. And do you know what the ends of the earth is for them? Here. It's really important that when we say that verse, we realize that people around the world, it's important for us to define what is the center? What is your center when we think about our Jerusalem to the ends of the earth? So rather than the west to the east with mission into the whole world, Mission is from everywhere to everywhere. It's not the sun. It's like radiating nodes around the world. And as every follower of Jesus around the world, the global church begins to take this seriously. We radiate out into the world. That is how this world is reached with a gospel of peace and of wholeness. We have to take seriously that this is not just local. This is not just our Jerusalem. It's not just New York City. I'm so glad to hear the incredible work you're doing here locally. It's local and global. And just as much our Asian brothers and sisters, they are praying for you. They are praying for you. They're watching the news and they're saying, what is happening in the United States? We need to pray for our brothers and sisters over there. It's mission from everywhere to everywhere. Patrick and Tip have done that for us. And as we have traveled, even in these just couple months, I've watched them again and again minister to people here in the U.S. The whole world. And that means that 
God is calling you here, but he may be calling you there too. And how are you going to invest your life in what is here and what is there? What might God be calling you to? It could be financial, it could be prayer, but it could be picking up and going to serve with the gifts that God has given you into the world. The third part of this is that it's the whole gospel to the whole world, but it must come through whole persons. I'm a therapist in, uh, I've served as a therapist in Cornerstone Counseling in Chiang Mai, Thailand for the last 12 years. Now I'm doing it remotely from the Middle East. And I served it as former executive director. And Cornerstone was actually founded for the very purpose of providing mental health care to those who are serving overseas, to missionaries. Now, when I first started, I just assumed it would be like cross-cultural adjustment, maybe some loneliness issues. And I quickly realized in that first year that people were really struggling. These missionaries are serving in difficult places, and it's re- it was really, there's a lot of messiness out there. So it wasn't cross-cultural adjustment, it was depression, it was suicidal harm, it was anxiety, it was psychotic breakdown. We have a psychiatrist on staff. We have 14 counselors on staff licensed here from the U.S. serving overseas psychiatrists. And we have about 500 clients that we see a year. And we have a waiting list. Full-time ministry people do not have it together. I just want you to know that. Um, Missionaries do not have it together. I can see people put us up on a pedestal like we're extra something. But to be honest, there's a lot of brokenness whole persons, and what I've witnessed as I listen to these courageous clients that come to seek help is that they have left a wake of pain in their marriages and in their families due to unaddressed issues from the past that have come now to the surface, right? There's that book that hurt people hurt people, but it's also true that healed people are people who are healing can heal people. That's what it means to be a whole person. That's the kind of witnesses that we want going into the world. And in order for us to be whole people, we need to recognize that we are broken. We have to admit to one another that, there's, that we're not okay. And instead of avoiding it, but really addressing it, facing it, sharing it with each other in this community. And I love that you guys are doing emotionally healthy spirituality. That's what that's about. But taking that step to say, I'm not okay. Because when we do that, we start our process of healing. We become oaks of righteousness, displaying the Lord's splendor. And again, I just feel like in the world today, especially here in the West, I'm not sure what we're displaying to the world. Whole persons. Where are you in being a whole person that can take the whole gospel to the whole world? And finally, who does this? Is it just our own effort? Is it just us taking, you know, trying to muster up the courage, kind of Patrick said, keeping the laws and the rules? No. It says in verse 11 that the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. After he goes through this entire passage, that is the conclusion. That when we bind up the brokenhearted, when we realize that we are the brokenhearted, when we release 
prisoners from darkness, and we realize that we are in darkness. When we comfort those who mourn and we recognize that we mourn, the end of that says that that's when the seeds are planted and God will raise up righteousness and praise before all the nations. This is the way forward if we are going to be a light into this world in a way that is whole, not half, but whole. That is what God has called us to and what he has anointed us to do. So Hope Midtown, I want to leave you with a few questions To whom can you be an agent of God's healing and comfort this week? Who could you take and proclaim that good news, that whole gospel to this week? How can you further invest in God's local and global mission? This is not a request. Acts 1.8 says, you shall be my witnesses. We are anointed to proclaim good news. This isn't a, this is, would be a nice to do. This is what it means to follow Jesus in the world. How can you invest further in God's local and global mission? We want to invite you to Thailand. I think that's a great, I'd love to see a Hope team come to Thailand um, and to see, to see and to learn not because you want to go thinking you can save the world, but to go and learn from your Asian brothers and sisters that are there, like Patrick and Tip. And finally, what steps are you taking to address the brokenness in your own life? I think a great question that you might want to ask somebody who's really close to you, a spouse, a child, a close friend, is, is there something that you see in me that I'm not seeing myself? that's maybe hurting you or hurting the people that I love? It's a really vulnerable question, but I think it's a good one to help us see our blind spots, the places that are broken. We often don't see them ourselves, but everybody else around us does see them, but they're afraid to tell you. So ask. That's a step towards addressing the brokenness in our own lives. So I pray, I pray Hope Church, but all of us, not in individual ways, but as a community, that we would be committed to take this whole gospel into the whole world through whole people. So I'd like to invite Patrick and Tip up again as they share a song um, with you. Um, and I, you know, I hear, I've heard them sing this, and I just, they just sang it in first service, and I was touched again, but... I think especially just knowing that where God has brought them from, from just Buddhist background and worshiping many gods to now serving all of us, all of us serving one true God. So. Um.